Welcome back indeed. Episode number 62, the Rasball Fantasy Basketball Podcast, Sun and Joel edition. What's going on, my man? Good to see you, son. We uh, we got like half a foot of snow this weekend, and it's like six degrees outside. So I'm happy to be inside and talking hopes with you. Oh, I hear you. Uh, sorry, my, my heart goes out to you, uh, especially since um, you know you know what it's like to live on the West Coast. Uh, I do. So yeah, you know, so you know, ignorance is bliss, right? Uh, those that have never experienced it, like, uh, you know, it's kind of this a way of life. But once you get a taste of the good stuff, uh, it's it's a shock to the system for sure. I've I've spent many years out there, so uh, I I know the deal. Um, yeah, right. I'm I'm having warm memories of like what life. But a friend of mine on Instagram posted like, "Spring is here soon." And I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" That's outrageous. So. Uh, yeah, having very pleasant memories of like, oh yeah, my life used to be warmer for sure. <laughs> you you have every, any plans to to go back, or I mean, no, that, like to visit and stuff, or no? Uh, we've been back. We've done a couple of visits. Yeah. Um, we actually were out there around this time last year, and it was great. Mm. Like, we, it's been pretty mild here as far as like winter is concerned in Wisconsin, um, but we're getting into like just like the really unpleasant part of the calendar, and like. I'd say anyone who can does like snowbird if they, you know, Arizona, Florida, whatever, just because like it, it's a grind from here on out until like June. Right. Right. <laughs> no, I hear you. Um, it's a different way of life. Um, you know, it's, uh, my heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's a, uh, collecting your sympathy is really what I'm aiming for. Here, so. Um, all right. Episode number 62. So two players in the league have worn the number 62, Bob Dilly and Scott Pollard, uh, the infamous Scott Pollard. Um, 62 points have been scored 10 times. Mello, Kobe, that Wilk guy, six times. Steph, uh, McGrady. Dude, McGrady was awesome. He's, fucking, he's yeah. a freaking alien. Um, so, you know, I mean, soon we're getting to the point where there's going to be nothing right there's gonna be no jersey numbers no points right yeah (laughs) until we get to will to 100 uh so yeah you know it'll be fun to count it up so you wanted to go into like talk about some forwards and stuff like that um so i'm looking forward to you know that discussion before we get into that though um i wanted to pay homage to shea gilgis alexander freaking man he's so freaking good you know it's i mean you know, it kind of questions me, like, before, I thought it was kind of like a no-brainer, like, Kevin Durant is, like, basically the perfect fantasy player. Um, I mean, Shea Gilgis, SGA, I mean, he may be in that uh, that tier. Like, he may have entered that pantheon uh, of perfection. You know, 1-1-1 one, one, one player, uh, he's shooting 51% from the field, 90% from the free throw line, three turnovers. You know, usage rate is 32%, 30 points, uh, 4.8 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 1.7 steals, 1.1 blocks. Like, what the fuck? It's crazy. You know, he's obviously, you know, number five player on a per-game basis. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, worries, I guess some concerns, you know, about tanking and, and the Wembenyana shadow. Uh, you know, he did play last year during the playoffs, even though they didn't mm-hmm. have anything to do. And then obviously, you know, he kind of, you know, tweaked his, you know, his legs, and then they, they shut him down. But I wanted to ask you, um, you know, OKC has a chance for the playing game. Uh, do you think they're going to push it? Do you think they're going to rest him? 
um yeah what like any any thoughts on that i i would be surprised if there's a shutdown in oklahoma city um this year i think that they're probably far enough i should have pulled this up ahead of time they're probably far enough ahead in the standings that they just can't get down that low um yeah and the other thing that you know they would i guess there are a couple of things that, that factor into it. one is that i feel like if they wanted to move up like i don't think they're going to be able to trade into the, the number one pick i think it's probably too valuable but they've got so many draft pieces yeah. that if there's someone that they like at the top of this draft or near the top of this draft they could just weaponize some of those picks and go get the guy that they want that way instead of having to tank uh, to get down there. Because, like, yeah, they're they're 11th in the West, yep. 24 and 26, two games behind. I guess they're even with, like, Minnesota and Utah in the loss column and Portland. Um, but I just don't think they're going to get down. Like, the Rockets already have 38 losses. The Pistons have 39. The Hornets have 36. Yeah. The Magic have 31. Like, I don't think they're going to get there. Um, and then the other thing that I've been thinking about with the Thunder is I think that they really value, like, what winning does. Um, or maybe the better way to put it is they, they put a premium on not being just, like, abhorrent. Like, we saw how long it took the the Sixers to sort of dig out from that bottoming out. And now what we're seeing with the Rockets, like, I think it's really concerning. Like it was a couple of weeks ago that John Wall did that interview where he talked about, like he was trying to tell Kevin Porter and Jalen green that like the shit that they get away with in Houston wouldn't fly in other organizations. Right. And like, you know, Steven Silas's rotations are very curious. Like the, the real reluctance of like, unchaining Shangoon and letting him just like eat 35 minutes a game. Um, I kind of worry about like the develop, the developmental sort of atmosphere or environment in Houston. And I, I just like, you know, they've got green who was a top pick. They've got Smith who was a top pick. They've got Shangoon who was a top 10 pick. They'll get another one this year. I just don't feel like that team is anywhere near being good or competitive, even in a sort of muddy Western conference. So I don't think the the Thunder want to go down that road of being that bad. Agreed. Um, you know, one thing that's impressed me with the Thunder is that uh, they're a very young team, uh, very deep, but yet the culture and like the foundational culture that they have there uh, is, is pretty good. You know, um, I think obviously uh, you know, some of it is, I guess, the the makeup, maybe? The mental makeup of some of their stars um, kind of project a certain culture that, and, you know, instill certain habits. And, you know, kind of what you're saying with like competitiveness and winning, but, you know, more fundamentals. And so when I think of that, it's because, uh, you know, a lot of times I hear stories of, um, you know, bringing in veteran guys to kind of teach players how to be a professional and how to act a certain way and, uh, you know, play the right way, things like that. OKC, you know, it, it seems like they don't need that guy, right? Because their young guys, uh, you know, have a certain level of, 
I guess maturity maybe would be the best best uh, mm. you know way to describe it. Uh, so, you know, I think that just filters through uh, and just permeates through the you know the the, the rest of the um, uh, of the squad. Uh, or maybe, you know, maybe it's a, a more macro thing too. Maybe it's the type of players that uh, OKC kind of looks for. They have a certain makeup or, or whatnot, right? Or they have certain, you know, foundational pieces or, or you know, fundamentals already instilled. And that's kind of, so, you know, obviously they're always looking for length and versatility and things like that from a physical standpoint. But maybe, you know, there's certain mental characteristics that, you know, they they look for as well. Uh, so I think that all, yeah. So I mean, the the divergence between the Rockets and and the uh, you know that that spread is huge. Like, it, and it's a, yeah, it, it's really really uh, apparent. Um, yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's uh, yeah. So okay, the Clippers had shape. And, they sure did, right? Jerry West, yeah, man, that Jerry, was his guy. That you know, he's a fucking genius. He really is. That's amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. He's the best. Yeah, he he's the best fucking talent evaluator. Um but going back I mean, do you do you trade him? I mean, I think they both both teams went out there in that trade, right? Because between Los Angeles Yeah, the Clippers and and, and OKC because, you know, Clippers get Paul George, right? And it was basically a package deal because Paul George and Kawhi, mm-hmm. right? So you have to factor that in too. Um, and you know OKC did well in asking for Shea, right, and other pieces. So, um, if you're the Clippers, I mean, do you still make that trade? I think it really depends on how this year goes. You know, like I would say that the returns on that trade so far would put you in like the Presti camp of like Oklahoma City comes out ahead because it's not just Shea. Um, who's obviously young and having an amazing year and like he's on this star trajectory, but you get all the assets too, you get all the picks. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you're going to make that kind of like consolidation trade of like, we're going to, we're going to package the future and play now, you really, you got to make the conference finals. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you're, if you're still at, if at the end of the season, you still haven't made the finals or the conference finals at, at the very least, like, I feel like there's probably quite a bit of regret there on on moving off of Shea, and then not only that, you got to keep on paying it. You got to keep paying that debt over and over again every draft season. So I don't know how many more picks the the Thunder have, but like it is a huge pile. Huge, yeah, huge cash. Um, yeah, no, I'm. It's, I mean, that's a crazy trade. I mean, they both, you know, they both did well in that trade. You know, considering the circumstances. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which way you go. Um, more slobbering about Shea. Um, Go ahead. Right. You know, his field goal percentage, uh, you know, over 50%. Um, the corners, he's way below uh, league average shooting from the corners the, from downtown. But from the wings, 37% and 39%, way above league average. The top of the key three, f- he's converting 42%. League average is 34%. Uh, at the rim, 56%. League average is 60%, which kind of makes sense because he's not really dunking. Um, you know, he's got his little floaters and, you know, fadeaways and, and layups mm-hmm. and things like that. and more. But from, like, the free throw area around that, from the free throw to, like, the, you know, the circle, he's shooting 53%. You know, league average is 45%. It's fucking crazy. Like, he's so damn good. He's so damn good. Yeah, um, dude. 
Yeah, I've got dunks and threes up on it. I've got his dunks and threes page up right now. And that mid-range number is in the 86th percentile. <laughs> you know, crazy. it's it's, it's kind of like the De'Aaron Fox thing of just like, if this guy gets a foot in the paint, yeah. you're just kind of fucked, you know? Like yeah. either he's going to collapse the defense and the ball sprays out, or he's going to hurt you from like 15 feet and in. Um, for sure he's a boss man he's he's, so good he's so good you know you know what i really appreciate about his game though is uh you know he has length where he can't shoot over you know smaller guys and things like that but the like his pace of when he gets into the the lane is is fucking amazing right because um you know he has like the agility the manu euro step in um but then he kind of has like that slow-mo type pace but then he has Unlike slow mo, he has that gear where he can get mm-hmm. into De'Aaron Fox mode. So he has both, and I think that like that change of pace or um, the ability to go both speeds like really fucks with defenders, right? And just puts him on his heel, and then he just is able to get that strength. And then also he has the strength to put a shoulder in, you know, and you know get a little separation. Uh, yeah, it's, six six. Yeah, you know? it's really fun. It's really fun watching him, uh, you know, work uh, in the paint. Um, that deceleration crazy. thing too has been like a thing that people have been praising guys like Harden and Kyrie about mm-hmm. for years and years about like it's not just the straight line speed when you're talking about a guy like Fox yeah. but like being able to move in between those things and stop and get people to like I feel like Luca is probably the best at it uh, but Shea's not far behind of yeah. just like if you're leaning the wrong way too much you're toast it yeah. doesn't take much because the angles are all goofy and he he's able to change and exploit like you know just being on the wrong foot more than almost anyone in the league uh he's having an incredible year man he's been so good and he's 24 exactly he's only gonna get better so i mean is he the perfect fantasy player oh i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um he's you know the the only real like knock on him okay. as far as like values would be the three point shooting isn't really there. Yeah. Um and the rebounding is a little light, but like, you know, he is a guard. So um and threes, as we've talked about in the past, is really abundant. Um I gotta say the the jump that he's made in free throw attempts is so encouraging. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like ten point two a game. Yeah. Um, his his free throw value is off the charts. Like, I'm gonna pull it up on Dunks, or on um, on Monster now. I don't know if there's a player four there point, isn't. Yeah, four point six three. Yeah, <laughs> he's not giving you. You know, he's giving you more value at the free throw line than Durant, than Lillard, than Young, than Curry, like than Embiid. It is crazy, and that's a thing that's been working into my brain about. Uh, mostly I was thinking about this with rookies of like, cause Paolo has got this great free throw attempt rate. Matherin also has a really positive one. Um, but that's such a, it's such a weapon. Um, and it really, it boosts your overall value as a fantasy player. If you can get to the line, like six, seven, eight times a game and convert 77% of them. I mean, it's just like, you can see the negative value with a guy like Giannis because it just it hurts yeah. so much, and frankly with Doncic too. Yeah, um, that's why. Yeah, that's why Shea, Harden. That, that's why Harden so gets elevated too because of those mm-hmm. those free throws for sure. 
Um, so that's super encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Do you take Gilgis at one one? I mean, I don't. I don't think you can take him over. Uh, you know, uh, Jokic. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a pretty good case for number two, I think. Right, just because. You know, if you can want to, MB's got the injury worries. You know, KD is older, got the injury worries. Uh, a lot of those guys have question marks. You know, Giannis, Doncic, the free throw. You know, um, you know, I guess Curry, but Curry's getting a little older. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, why not? I mean, one point two. I mean, kind of, kind of think so, right? Like, I don't know. Who, yeah. You know? I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take him at one. Just mostly, mostly because of the positional uh, like yeah. elements to consider with with just having a center. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's the youngest guy in the top twelve. I think. Um, no, Doncic is younger, but he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. The things that he doesn't do well are things that you can find. You know, like rebounds can be tricky, but not at not in the second round, you know, you can get enough rebounding to balance it out. You can definitely get enough threes and that might get better. You know, there's still a lot of room to, to improve there. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. No, now that thing, yeah, Jokic is clear. He's just so far ahead of everyone else. Um, you know, there's, there's really no, you can't take Shea at one, but I think 1.2, there's a, it's a pretty good argument, you know, just, he's just so balanced, you know, just, you know, foundationally, and like you said, you can just kind of mix and match those other stats. Um, all right, we don't want to make this Here's the one. huh? Go ahead. One, one last yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you do Shea or Tatum in a straight up trade? Just like who are you? Who you're? You're starting your your fantasy team from scratch. Do you take Shea or do you take Jason Tatum? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I. Because they're roughly the same age. Yeah. They're both like 24, 25. Yeah. I think I'm leaning Shea. Wow. Yeah. I, I But it's close. I mean, I, I don't... Yeah, I think you can go either way there. Um, yeah, I mean... The dimes help. <laughs> the dimes really help. Yeah. I mean, dimes help. And then also, you know, I mean, you're getting, you know, over one block with Shea, right? You know, Tatum hasn't been over one ever. Uh, and then he, you know, you're getting more steals with Shea too. So I mean, the points are pretty they're comparable, right? I mean, Shea's at 30, right? So, um, yeah, you know, just rebounds and the trays. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Give me, give me the dime steals and blocks from the guard, and yeah, I can, I can find uh, the rebounds and the trays. Yeah, for sure, but. Either way is good, I guess, you know. Yeah, um, not a bad deal. Yeah, 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 that's great. No, so, yeah, Tatum is definitely in the conversation for for 1.2 as well. Um, but, yeah, I think Shea, it's Shea for me. Is uh, is Halliburton in that mix or no? He's a tier below. Um, I think I would take Tatum and Shea ahead of Halliburton yeah, I think right so. now just because of the scoring. Yeah, for sure. Now. That's huge. Uh, and I love... I love what Halliburton is doing. I, I'm, I'm excited that the Pacers re-signed Miles Turner because I think they should try to be good. I think that could, team could be really fun. Definitely. If, 
they trade for John Collins. <laughs> my, my secret hope in all of this. But um, I think that that could be a really fun lineup with like Turner, Halliburton, uh, and Collins. You mix in Matherin too. Like there's there's some sizzle there. Uh, for sure. Yeah. No, they have they have some pieces. Um, yeah. You know, just gotta stay healthy and and just keep you know. Yeah. Kind of a stretch forward. I mean, they have some stretch forward guys, but they don't want to play them for some reason. So, uh, you know, we've already talked about Jalen Smith. He's toast. You know, Isaiah Jackson. I think he's good, but I, they just don't. They just don't want to play them together, and they don't really like them. So, yeah, John Collins type actually would be really good. You could you could go just three lineup. Rim, yeah, man. you could go three guard lineup with Collins and, and Turner. Um, yeah, that would be that would be pretty sick. That'd be pretty nasty. But all right, enough slobbering about Shea. Uh, we want to talk about forwards today. Um, real quickly, I think um, Bobo. Yeah, it's it's gonna be tough going forward. I think uh, outside of the deepest leagues, um, I, you know, I, I, I think you could drop him. You know, just because, uh, especially as um, Isaac, you know, gets healthier, plays more minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's playing basically under twenty minutes a game now. Uh, you know, he's not really blocking crazy amount of shots, right? The rebounds are kind of whatever. You know, the scoring is down. I think, you know, the book is kind of out. People know. But, you know, for me, the main thing is that his defense really isn't that good. And so, uh, you know, awareness-wise and, you know, agility and things like that, uh, you know, I think he's developed into uh, an NBA player. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if he'll be on a winning team and like if you know things get serious. Uh, I just yeah I don't see how he's gonna maintain uh, what you know his role on the or his hierarchy on the depth chart you know where he was before. So yeah, I think minutes are gonna be be an issue. Um, so it'll probably dip down into the teens, uh, and that's gonna be tough. That's gonna be tough, which uh, which is too bad, you know. But it was a nice run. It was a nice run. Um, it was good while it lasted. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, he's he's really he's really hampered by the fact that the three, maybe four best players in Orlando are all bigs. Big. You know, Carter, Banchero, Bogner. I don't know how you see Jonathan Isaac, but um, you know, even Mo Bamba is still like hanging around. Uh, Mo Wagner is given some good minutes. Not that. They play bowl as a center, but like, you know, he need he's gonna need because he's such a specialty driven guy with blocks. He just need enough time on the floor to accumulate those kinds of those kinds of statistics. Um, and since the per like the per minute rate or like the per game rate has been dipping since since the bench since he's been to the bench, like it's you can sort of see the writing on the wall. Yeah. I hate to agree with you on this one because it. You know, I I had invested in Bowl Bowl after the the hot start, but oops. Yeah, it, you know, it happens. It happens. You know, um, I, man, there were a lot of really good tidbits I got. I, I so I finally finished that book, The Process. Uh, it was mm. it was it was phenomenal. It really was. And there's so many tidbits uh, that I I took away from it. And you know, I, I entered another uh, uh, draft champions for baseball. And so, you know, Good. Rudy and I, you do. yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're, uh, you know, just trying to apply some of the stuff in there, but there was one thing, uh, you know, just talking about that, that kind of, you know, 
that I remember was basically um, if you're not making like moves that you don't regret, then that means you're not making enough moves. And mm. it, it kind of resonated and it really makes sense, right? Because, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to have a 100% hit rate on, right, whether it be trades or pickups or, or drafts, right? And so the only way to get better and, you know, is to, you know, you got to shoot, right? And um, you're going to clang a lot of them, right? But, you know, the goal is to hopefully, you know, the ones that you hit on, they pay for all the you know shots that you take, right? So, um, and it, you know ties into what we've been talking about in terms of like making mistakes is healthy, right? Because uh, you know not only does it give you a chance to hit on something, but then you know more importantly, like you learn from it, right? You learn why you missed a shot, or you know you know it kind of helps like tweaking the process. So, um, you know, I mean, you obviously made like, well, would you, you know, in your particular case, the Bobo, I mean, it made sense why you, you took them, you know, and, and at the time it made sense. It's just, you know, sometimes situations change, right? Isaac comes back, right? And then, you know, whatever, like his development kind of stagnated. The book came out on him, you know, minutes, you know, obviously the biggest one is minutes. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, when I read that, I was like, man, it, it kind of hit home. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. And I, I kind of like that, right? And so, uh, you know, sometimes, like, end up kicking ourselves, right? And we're like, ah, why did we make that trade? Why did we not? But, at, you know, at the same time, hey, you know, shit happens, right? Like, you got to do it. And that's the only way you you give yourself uh, a shot for glory, right? By shooting, mm-hmm. you know, shooting the shots. So, um, all right. Before we get into the forward, my last guy, Precious, my Precious. Uh, it's been a... Interesting journey, to say the least, because, Seriously. <laughs> um, you know, in the off season, I was very, very high on him. You know, I, I, I think I projected him pretty high and, um, you know, I just, everything that, you know, I saw from the end of last year and then everything that I was reading over the summer, right? Like, you know, there were clips when like he was giving MB troubles, you know, and just like his switchability on defense and then. You know, the way that he was able to uh, develop his three-point shot was very appealing to me. Um, I thought that, you know, he would be a significant uh, part of the rotation, right? And then over the summer, Nick Nurse was raving about him. It's just being like, yo, like he gets it, right? I'm talking to him, he gets it. And so it's very, very high on him, uh, you know, but then, right, like he's got out of the gate slow, right, minutes-wise, and then he got injured. So, you know, you can't, whatever... So it took him some time to kind of get into the groove and to really, you know, I guess solidify his place. But he's been fucking balling lately. I mean, obviously he's getting a ton of minutes. Uh, you know, Coloco went down to the G League, and you know, just um, you know his ability to rebound and, and score and shoot the three. But I think more importantly, it's just his versatility that he provides for them on defense that allows him to stay on the court. And then by staying on the court, that gives him opportunities to uh, accumulate fantasy goodies. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster ride, but I'm, you know, I'm just very happy to see where he's at now, uh, because this is kind of like what I, you know, envisioned. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, it's good. Any any thoughts on uh, my precious? <laughs> Man, I, I hope it keeps rolling. Um, you know what's going to happen in Toronto is. 
a really fascinating sort of thing to be considering. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I see a way that he gets moved or that someone moves into his path. Like maybe the, the Raptors trade for hurdle, but I don't, the Raptors keep losing. Like, yeah. I don't know if you're going to be adding hurdle back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think that that, that situation Toronto has obviously been influenced by Ananobi's absence too. And, you know, that because nurse only really plays like seven guys, big minutes, like when OG goes down or Fred goes down, there's like this huge pile of, yeah. of minutes that get shifted around. But, you know, I'm not worried about the rest of the depth chart behind him. Like I'm not worried about Coloco. I'm not really worried about Boucher. So I think he's got a real, a real shot. Um, you know, and the rebounds are nice. Like, obviously, he's shooting the ball really well um, over the last couple of weeks. He's the 75th player over the last two weeks uh, on Monster, shooting 63% from the field. So um, that's that's a significant number to, to really do it. Uh, 66, or excuse me, 63% and nine boards. Like, that plays, man. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be obviously regression. Um you know, he's not shooting 60%, but I mean, uh, minutes are gold, right? And I just think that uh, just everything combined together, um, you know, the coaching staff trusts him, his versatility on defense, and then, you know, minutes. And then because of the rotations, Nurse runs such a tight rotation, you know, if he's playing 35 minutes a game, I mean, that's, that's really, really good, right? And then, um, you know, center eligibility, you know, can hit threes, mm-hmm. you know, hit threes and get you rebounds with some defensive stats. Um, yeah, it's really good. But yeah, the shooting is obviously going to regress. So, uh, you know, probably why well, I think it's like career, like low to mid 40s percent. Right. So, um, yeah. But, yeah. 60s, but, 60s are fun yeah. <laughs> for now. Yeah, seriously. You know, but maybe it's in, in honor of our 62nd pod. So. Uh, he's just keeping That's up with the theme. Be, yeah. you know, it all connects. I know he's a listener. Yes, I know it, he's a listener. it all connects. It all connects. All right. <laughs> so uh, enough of that. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of this pod. Uh, you did some stuff, did some digging in terms of forwards. So uh, take it away, Joel. You know, I don't know if I did some digging as much as I like, you know, the other week we were talking about um, building a rubric of like, these are the kinds of things you should think about. Um and really like what I, I think the process for me of like putting that together is going to be me um going through each draft pick and going like what was I thinking there and what were what was I not thinking there? And then I think that will sort of reveal some of the stuff um that should should ultimately end up on this rubric. But um I was also just like looking back through my draft picks for the Raz Jam, and I have never drafted good, a good group of forwards. Like, on the teams that have done well, on the teams that have done poorly, it's all been bad. Um, and it, it made me start thinking about whether I was, I had the wrong idea about the position in general. You know, I, I think we've spent a lot of time talking and thinking about centers and how to approach that position because of the the, the scarcity and and really, a lot of my thinking, I should say, is tailored to NFBC style, where you have to play two centers. And like the the forward guard combo is a very rare thing. You either are one or the other, generally. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, you know, the group that I drafted this year, oh, I'm embarrassed. Um, Scotty Barnes, who has obviously played really well lately. I think he's sort of, he's now hit what he was, his overall output from last year and could actually end up being okay um, as far as a value pick. Uh, Franz Wagner, I took him at pick 73. He's the 84th best player so far. That's not bad. Um, you know, I think we were both really high on Franz coming in because of how great he looked in the summer at Eurobasket. Some of the stuff that he was doing as a point guard or lead wall handler was really encouraging. Um, but he hasn't been like, he hasn't, you know, blown past any expectations. Jalen Smith, we have beat to death. It was just like we saw an opportunity for minutes and hoped that it was going to sort of transfer over. Um, it is not. Uh, and then I was really excited. I got Keldon Johnson as the first pick of the ninth round. I thought, you know, we were, I was, I had stumbled into some real value there. He's been, the 153rd best player according to Monster. The the usage has been there. That was the hope, was that he was going to be this high usage player. Um, he just hasn't been very efficient, and some of the other deficiencies in his game, the lack of sort of helpers, have really uh, have really held down his value. Um, and then the reserves have just been miserable. Zach Collins is still waiting for. The Pirtle trade. Simone Fatecchio was one of my last picks. He has not really played for the for the Jazz at all. Dean Wade has been hurt almost all year and and may have really lost that job to Isaac Okoro. Like that three position is still a a sort of question mark for for Cleveland long term. But you know, no one's run away with the job. Kevin Love and then I added Bull Bull. Um, that's a that's a pretty bad group, man. Um, even the the team that did well, it was a bit more floor. I got Tobias Harris. He's he's had a nice year this year. Dorian Finney-Smith was a pick that I had last year, and he's been okay this year. Uh, not great. Nick Batum was a guy that I had last year that was just sort of eating minutes. And then I also paid up for OG and Anobi in my first five picks, and he he returned value there. But yeah, I mean, what do we? I pulled up. Um, basketball monster and i i started sorting through just small forward and power forward and i'm really trying to omit guys that have like really like a guard build like a devin booker will give you forward eligibility but he's a guard or guys who are who get a lot of value from playing center like anthony davis uh there and so when you start stripping those guys away like it really it's just all floor guys like there isn't a ton of like um young upsidey value like you know kd tatum butler were all sort of in the mix there um laurie marketing was a guy that i just missed on um who's been great obviously and then lebron paul george demar Derozan, Kawhi leonard og michael bridges jalen brown tobias harris andrew wiggins um than like Bain, Heald, Siakam, that's your top 50. There just isn't a whole lot of like exciting young players there. And so my thinking is like maybe maybe floor words will be the name of the game for for next year's draft, like getting at least one of these older top 50, each your vegetables kinds of forwards. Um, I mean, I'm happy to continue reading through like the different quadrants of the top 100, but like, you know, it, other outside of 
Markkinen and Barnes and Devin Vassell, the top 75 isn't really all that sexy. What what do you think about the forward position, Stan? Yeah, so, um, you know, I remember uh, talking to Turner. Uh, and that's basically, you know, the conclusion that he came to over, you know, drafts and experience, right? He's just like, and, you know, there's actually been a few other people that have been like, yeah, you know, forwards is not that deep. So for Turner, he just took it to the extreme, you know, so he's like, mm-hmm. obviously he incorporates big men into that too, right? So, you know, he's just basically like, yeah, you know, he's, he found that, uh, he was having such a hard time selecting centers and forwards and that they ran out kind of like exactly the place that you are at now. So he's like, you know what? F it. I'm just going to pay up for all the forwards and all the, the centers and just lock in those big guys. And then he felt like, uh, you know, he was better at identifying guards later or he felt like the guard pool was deeper, right? That would allow him. So he just preferred that that type of line of construction better because he's like, Hey, you know, I have a hard time, you know, I was having a hard time, you know, getting big men. So, all right. You know, like if, you know, I guess for him, he identified his weakness. So he's like, all right, you know, let me just shore up that weakness. And then, you know, he felt like his one of, you know, I guess he was a little bit stronger in uh, selecting or identifying guards. So yeah, that's the route he went. And, you know, it, it made sense. And, you know, there have been other people, like I said, that have found, you know, the forward position weak as well. So, um, yeah, I get it, man. You know, it it does make sense. Um, you know, how you want to address that, you know, those positions uh, is definitely a huge thing, you know. And, uh, you know, it's a little, you know, for me, you know, especially more recently, um, and I think Rocco is on this tip too, right? It's just... I think he and I are leaning a little bit more towards guard heavy. Uh, just, I think that's where we feel a little bit more comfortable in terms of like how things end up playing out and then just filling in there. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no right way or wrong way to do it, but you know, I do agree like the landscape, like that's just how the landscape is. Right. So yeah, it's just how you choose to attack it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you and you and Turner are kindred spirits, man. I mean, I, I guess <laughs> I, I should have, um, you know, the the one Razjam team that I had that was really successful. I thought the build so the first two picks were uh, Towns and Vucevic, and I thought that the um, the build was like, oh, it's it's you go through centers, and it, because I. I was so blinded by the first two guys being centers um, that, you know, like the, the forward component just sort of fell out. And I, I think there's something to that of just like, I think that if you pass on these, you know, you know, I had, I never had a chance to draft Tatum or Durant or like these really super like premium forwards, but I did, you know, I passed on DeRozan uh, I passed on OG, I passed on Bridges, I passed on Brown, I passed on Harris. Like if you if you pass these guys up, you really you've got to be so accurate on the back end. And even like, you know, even guys like Franz Wagner who's having a nice year and, you know, like 
I took him at um, at 73. He's at 84. That's you're still not getting like the the Jenicky Wong like leaps forward. Like we're just not we're not seeing that kind of production from these younger players. Like um, like MPJ, just like I don't know if that's ever going to happen for him because I don't know if what I'm thinking now about forwards, like I don't know where the usage comes from if you're not one of these super high level guys, you know, like um, one of the things that, that has really facilitated Scotty Barnes being a top 75 player for the first two seasons of his career is like, they just put the ball in his hands a ton, you know? And like, that's sort of the attraction with Wagner too. It's like, well, you get a chance to play make and you can do these other guard things. But yeah, I, I, I think that like factoring forwards in at least like really like top 50 forwards in is going to be something I'm going to keep in mind. I'm going to try to keep in mind during draft season next season. It's, it's not just about getting the, the blocks and the field goal percentage that you get from centers. Like you can, you can get those kinds of things from, from the, the high level forwards. And if you don't like, you really got to sit and you got to hope that like, maybe this is the year that, that Evan Mobley takes the leap or, um, you know, I, I get a great year out of, uh, I don't know. Aaron Gordon was a guy that we've talked about a lot of, he was, of like he's being huge. this sort of steady guy who's taking a big step forward. But you know, Keegan Murray, maybe. But even that, that's that's outside the top 100. So, I think. Uh, yeah. It, it, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go finish. I'm sorry. No, I don't think I have a point other than just like, fuck, I screwed up again. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this way, I screwed up. I mean, I don't want to screw up again this way because, yeah, it, it does. It it falls off. There is a real cliff. And then it's it's really questionable. Like, you know, I've had I've got Kyle Anderson on a lot of teams this year, and like, man, he's been great. Yeah, <laughs> steady, boring, for slow sure. ass Kyle Anderson has been super valuable for a lot of these teams of mine. For sure, you know, I have a lot of uh, Pascal Siakam, and uh, mm. you know, he kind of fits that right because uh, you get him in like the third round, something you know, second or third round. Um, but he's kind of like uh, the perfect forward. In, in the sense that, like, you know, you, he's not there in the first... You don't have to take him in the first round, right? And, you know, he's not going to give you the crazy defensive numbers, but it's like, in a way, he's kind of giving you guard stats as, as a forward, right? A lot of points, mm-hmm. some rebounds, and some assists, right? And so he just... Big usage. So I think, you know, that type of guy... Um, you know, Aaron Gordon was huge. Like, I didn't... Obviously, I didn't think, you know, he's going to break out like this. So that's maybe more of an outlier, right? Just because the leap that he took was pretty, couldn't really predict that. But uh, I think, like, Laurie Markkinen, I think, was pretty, you know, he's someone that, um, you know, kind of stood out, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a guy that I think, uh, it, you know, a lesson that we can apply to future. You know, not to say that a guy that you take in, you know, what, the 75-ish range, I think, sixth or seventh round, I believe it was, you know, that he's going to be, a, you know, first, a second-round player type of thing. Like, yeah, that's just, you know, that's the, the probabilities that are, are very low. But, you know, definitely in terms of um, outpacing his ADP, I think he was well within the range of outcomes, right? Just because, uh, you know, new situation, right? You figured he was going to get more usage uh, young. And, you know, you know, I think we talked about this, uh, I don't remember which pod, but quite a few pods ago. But in terms of like, uh, 
you know, things that have happened in the past um, that doesn't necessarily predict what's going to happen in the future. So when there's certain changes, like we need to try to identify, uh, identify those changes. Um, and, you know, just especially like different system, different coaching staff, the way that we have to be, I guess, open to the possibility that, um, you know, they were going to use him a different way. Right. And obviously, right. You, you know, you didn't see it, but, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm biased with marketing just because, you know, it, it wasn't just this past Eurobasket tournament, but it was the Eurobasket tournament before his uh, rookie season. Like he balled out in that one, too. Mm. Right. And so for me, I, I've always had that kind of um, uh, attachment to him, because when I was watching that, I was like, man, this guy's not even a rookie, and he was a fucking dog in that tournament. Like, you could see that men- mentality, right? And I was just like, yeah, like, that type of, like, you know, like, mental strength or, or whatever, mental capacity, like, I think that could play well in the league, right? But then, you know, then, it, you know, it's kind of sad to see that it wasn't really able to translate, you know, into the league. And a part of me was like, ah, you know, so maybe, you know, uh, maybe it was him, right? So I kind of, like lost some hope with him right but then now looking back on obviously hindsight is 2020 looking back on it it's like man we got to factor in he's still young he's still developing Mm -hmm. like it's still the the league like it still takes time and then also now which you know i didn't realize at that time you know was that you know they weren't utilizing him to the best of of, of his ability right and so that you know it's apparent now but at the time it's like oh you know maybe it's more him right so i i think yeah, you know, there's definitely certain things that we can uh, try to identify and, or try to think about that that could, you know, unlock those guys. But, you know, like you said, I mean, you named off all the most of the guys, and it's like uh, the pool, the potential applicants for for something like that, uh, it's definitely limited, right? So it makes it harder. So, uh, you know, then the question is, uh, you know, can we rely on on certain things or you know, do we go full Turner and just say, F it, man, let, let me spend my draft capital to strengthen it. And then, you know, worry about the other. So, it, it, you know, it's interesting, right? It's the puzzle. There's never, you know, one right way well, path to go. Um, and, you know, the, the, the common thing that, you know, it's kind of a joke, but kind of a not, but, um, you know, hey, any strategy can, can work if you pick the right players, right? At the end <laughs> of the day, that that's what it comes down to, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, the thing about marketing is that's interesting is like we got a glimpse of it when he was playing the three in Cleveland. Like you could see that it was the the progress was really starting to pay off. And you know, I think thinking back on like some of the forward blunders that I had sort of stepped into, I was confusing um opportunity for output. You know, like Jalen Smith had the opportunity. Yeah. Um, Keldon Johnson had the opportunity. Yeah. Jaden McDaniels had the opportunity. Like, that's not the same thing as this guy is emerging as a player. And, like, you know, even if you just look at the context of those teams, like, you know, Jalen Smith was never going to be the featured guy in Indiana, neither McDaniels in uh, Minnesota. Johnson, like, could could have been, but, like, you know, whatever's happening in San Antonio is, is kind of messy, but you look at like what, when Laurie marketing comes to Utah, it's like, well, 
Conley's on the downside of his career. He's not going to be the guy that's going to be eating up all the usage. Jordan Clarkson is also on the other side of 30. Like you can't imagine that he's going to be the guy that is going to be like commanding all of this offense. Like where else was it going to come from? Jared Vanderbilt, Kelly Olenek. Like there really weren't that many other options of like, where are we going to go to score? And so maybe that's a play. Like when you start thinking about like these players for next year, or like who are the guys going to be able to sort of crack in? Um, Maybe that's a thing that should, should weigh you know, bigger in our mind when we're thinking about players like Trey Murphy or Cam Johnson or Devin Vassell. Like, uh, there are some some younger forwards who just haven't really popped yet. And thinking about like if they'll if that will be if next year will be the year for them. And like, it's hard to be super encouraged about what's going on with Trey Murphy because like there's a lot of there are a lot of guys that need to eat in, in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, Vassell could be a guy though. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, yeah, there's just so many different paths and so many ways to configure the puzzle. Um, you know, like I, I, you know, like I totally get like the Turner thing. You know, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from too. Um, you know, I think I'm leaning. You know what, like, I think the big realization that I'm coming to over the past few years and drafts is that um, I was too focused on having every piece, like, balance, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that messed me up. And, you know, I, I we kind of talked, talked about this last pod, but uh, I think the way I'm leaning now is that because uh, it's 8-cat, you know, NFBC is 8-cat, so inherently there's more categories that favor guards in here because you take out the turnovers right so you're already leaning you know more towards the guards so then you know structurally the advantage is guards so you know if you build the good base on guard stats and get those high level guards that gives you such a good foundation and then you can fill in the pieces and i, I i'm at least for me where I'm at now, I, I don't know how it's going to play out in the future, but I feel like my mistake was, uh, yeah, not, not hammering, not developing that core, that foundation strong enough, but instead being too focused on balance for each piece. Whereas now I think if I have that, you know, foundation strong, then I can just fill in the pieces with not, not disregarding, you know, like weaknesses, but where the point where those weaknesses won't have as much as an impact that I thought they would have, right? If, mm. you know, if the core is strong. Um, that's where I'm kind of leaning now, but, you know, obviously, right, things are, we're always growing, we're always learning, always experiencing. Um, so that, you know, that may change, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm leaning. But, you know, talking to Turner and, you know, seeing his drafts, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, he obviously went the other way, and it's it's not a wrong or a right way. It's just, you know, it works, and it's something that works for him, right? And, you know, his philosophy and his emotional temperament and, you know, his what he's identified as his strengths and weaknesses. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's really, like, that's just the most important thing, right? Because when you're most comfortable with something, that allows you, I think, to make the most optimal decisions. Uh, you know, when you're in a place of like discomfort or like, 
uh, things are not flowing well, or there's, you know, panic, then like, yeah, like things are not going to jive well, right? So, um, so I'm very interested actually to see kind of where you, how you tinker uh, your philosophy, I guess, with this newfound awareness, right? Like, so as of right now, like, like how do you, you know, like how are you kind of thinking like, you know, you're going to kind of like uh, go about things? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think a lot of what, how my teams have ended up this year was shaped by where I was drafting. Like I said, I, I never had an opportunity to draft Durant or Tatum or Jokic or Embiid. Um, so I never really liked any of the non-guard options in the second half of the first round. Also because I was picking in the second half meant that I was coming back around the other way. And so I ended up with like shares of all of those kinds of like six through 15 guards. Got your Youngs, Ball, uh, Booker, Lillard, yeah. Halliburton. Like I did all those guys. And I think that, I think that when I, I frequently I would double up. I'd get, I'd get two guards in the first two rounds. And then oftentimes I was anchoring it with Gobert. Right. Um, and I think that, I think that that's kind of a wobbly, that ended up being a wobbly path for me because I just, I did such a poor job picking bigs after that, be it Gobert or like the group of forwards that we've talked about. I, you know, I drafted Zion in a couple of places and that has backfired. Um, and so I think for me going forward, I would like to commit at least one of those first three picks to be at a, of center or really a center ideally okay. um because mostly i'm thinking fbc again like you just have to have two so and like, really yeah, that that changes the calculus for sure you need you need one good one <laughs> and the 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 one good one and then just like figure it out later experiment has not gone well and so i think like i think that i'll be less interested in doing the double guard going forward okay. um because I do think that you are able to find later guys that end up giving you some value. Um, and I, I just, I've consistently undervalued drafting forwards. Um, and so knowing that that's a weak spot, just like, I, I, I need to start to address it more and address it in a way where like looking at my Raz jam draft, it was young Lillard, Gobert, Fox, the top four. And the next three were Barnes, Jalen Smith, Franz Wagner, uh, Marcus Smart, Keldon Johnson. So I went forward heavy. I just didn't get any fucking floor though. Right. Like that was all upside. Um, I the only whew, the only floor big I took in the first twelve rounds was Rudy Gobert. Like that that's just not gonna do it, yeah. you know? Like um and I'm, it's not like I'm getting crazy value taking De'Aaron Fox in the fourth round, you know, like it, it's working. Okay. It's not something that is uh, sort of changing the dynamic here, but um, you know, like miles Turner, I guess Turner wasn't available there, but um, OG was there. Bridges was there. Valentunas was there. Pirtle, like, 
there were other ways to go. Wendell Carter, like it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be this way. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I hear you. And now knowing that I have this weak spot of just like, I consistently, I've done three of these drafts now of, of I've got three rise jam drafts worth of data plus this mid season draft that we do with Bracco. I'm like, that also is like, it's probably my best group of, of forwards and bigs, but it's not a great one. You know, I'm still behind in rebounds. I'm still behind in field goal percentage. I'm still behind in blocks. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to make it work. And you know, the other component here too is that, you know, I'm looking at where I'm looking at where some of these guards have gone um, on Monster, and you know, like there there are players like. Uh, like Bradley Beal, Trey Young, uh, Jamal Murray, Jalen Brunson, those guys are going like, uh, are all sort of landing in the in the top fifty to seventy five range, and like you can get good assists there. You know, you can get good assists uh, from D'Lo in that range or from uh, from C.J. McCollum, and so like you know the the premium or the the advantage of taking guards early is that you're getting these assists but like you can get you can find assists um the you know they've got some warts on them the, the trey joneses of the world but you know if, if one of those like premium categories for guards um is dimes like you know I, I think that you can you can get some of those players um a little bit later you don't have to you know I, I guess I just keep on drafting Trey Young and seeing him not return value. Like, <laughs> how many times do you need to like be betting on the on the guy that's going to break through? Uh, well, you know what's going to happen yeah. is when you stop taking Trey Young. Gonna be awesome. Yeah, he's going to he's going to be like Steph Curry. <laughs> I mean, that's how it works, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, like like uh, Markel Fultz. Uh, I don't know where you had to draft him to. To get him, but Mark Holfoltz was available, um, and he's okay with with dimes. Like Trey Jones is okay with dimes. D'Lo is okay with dimes. Like if you can cobble together enough of those guys, you can get some of those those sort of guard only stats later. Um, For sure. I don't know, sure. man. I I definitely don't have a an endpoint that I'm talking to, but I. I, I am sort of just like fumbling through, like, I really, I need to start emphasizing these points of weakness, um, especially now that I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that these are points of weakness, you know? That's the key. You know, that's the key. We just, uh, you know, that's why just doing drafts and, you know, making mistakes and, and kind of in a way, like losing uh, exposes uh, knowledge. Right, exposes mm-hmm. wisdom. It's just a matter of you know, do we pick the, you know, the fruit from you know from the the branches? Um, you know, there's so many paths to, I think, uh, to success. You know, there's so many ways to go about you know just constructing a team, and uh, you know your strengths and weaknesses are different than my strengths and weaknesses, and we have different, you know, perspectives, different player values. Uh, just different ways of going about things. And I think everybody is that way. Uh, so in a way, like, uh, you know, it is good, right, that you are 
you know, garnering this awareness, right? And just trying to trying to figure out like what works for you. Um, you know, I I do think that you have realized no more Trey Young, you know, no no more <laughs> like no more Anthony Davis for me. Like you know, uh, you know, just you know, not trying to uh, galaxy brain shit, right? Um, you know, trying to be more. I guess in a way, figuring out our style, but then incorporating the wisdom from like other top players, you know, you know, like, like Rocco, like, I mean, there's a reason why fucking all his teams are like, you know, competitive, right? And why he's winning shit. And a lot of it is because like his dudes actually play, <laughs> you know, it's like such, yeah. such a simple concept right but it's it's actually one that's very hard to kind of execute right like because we overlook these guys and or we you know we get to we hear the sound of the siren from these guys these permanent monster guys right and it's just like like why when there's dudes right next to him right like right in front of our face you know that know. you know may not be as sexy but at the end of the day who cares about sexy right like winning and making money is the sexiest thing right not about you know this guy's you know per minute monster or anything like that right so yeah yeah i you know i also think that a thing that that maybe happens to me i don't know if this is actually um like confirmed or not but like when i when i take a player like trey young or damian lillard um in my head i just sort of like check the box they're like okay assists are good or like okay threes are good right. and you know, I think that that um, it's good to know like what you've drafted and like where like the relative strength of things are, but um, I I think that that can work against me sometimes too. I'm just going like, you know, you still have to, or like with this uh, with this midseason team where I took um, I took Zion and Mitchell and Lillard. I was like, well, points should be no problem. It's just like that's not. I'm not winning points in that league, you know, like, especially cause Zion is hurt. But, um, after, after like, uh, sort of telling myself like, okay, the work is done with that category, go focus on other things. Then I, I would deviate too far. And that's how you end up drafting, um, like Trey Murphy too early or bowl bowl too early. Like I'm trying, now I'm trying to figure things out or trying to like fit things into this box, knowing that this other thing is taken care of. And just like, that's the it's the balance thing that you're talking about too i'm just like you still have to keep on drafting guys just because you've built something strong doesn't mean that like it can't be strengthened especially when you factor in players like young who have this huge variance um or williamson who is just like sometimes there and sometimes not you know I, i think one one thing that i uh i became a lot more cognizant and i think better at addressing this past draft season uh, you know, I mean, obviously I have so many shitty teams, so, but, um, you know, I, the one thing that I kind of took away from a lot of it was that, uh, strengthening a strength early on for future selections. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I give a lot of credit to Rocco actually for that one. Um, and you know, I think he's really good at uh kind of looking at the matrix from a more like holistic perspective and being able to kind of see steps ahead so he's kind of like the grandmaster that's able to you know 
figure out the end goal first and then work backwards and then seeing how many steps he needs type of thing and so that because in the past it's kind of just what you were saying you know it's like i'd be like well all right uh i need centers or whatever i need a particular position and i need particular stats and then uh because i've already drafted two guards and i have assists and whatever points then okay i'm gonna get a center and address rebounds and blocks and it was just you know it was too i think linear in in construction wise whereas this past year, I think I got a lot better, and I, re I think I'm realizing the importance of, all right, you know, how is this draft going? What is my team? How does my team look like? Uh, okay, I, whatever. I went two guards early, so you know I have points, threes, assists. In the past, I'd be like, okay, now it's time to address rebounds and blocks of the big man stats. But I think, I think the shift that I made now is that. Um, rather than doing that, I got to be like, well, what are the available big men option, right? And where can I get them? And what are their strengths and weaknesses, right? So, for example, say I'm like, okay, well, since all the, you know, obviously the Embiid's and, you know, those guys are all gone. Uh, and, you know, in, in the past, I, I'd be too focused on like the Zubaches of the world, the Jared Allens of the world, because I'm so worried about the free throw percentage and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. But then I think I'm, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, dance. right. Yeah, so the balance. But then I think the shift that I made a little bit better, and obviously I think I need better execution for it going forward. But it's like, well, you know, what about like the Nick Claxton type guys, or you know, those guys with the shitty free throw percentage, but you know, they ha they can give you the boards and the blocks. So then if I'm going to go for those guys, what I need to do is I need to build up my free throw percentage and other categories that they're lacking to buttress, you know, when I select them. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I think I was definitely more aware and cognizant of that. And I think that's a, I think it's a better way of roster construction because because it, it's it's not about how it looks at that particular point in the draft. It's about how it's going to look at the end of the draft after everything is concluded. And factoring that in, like, that's why I love Rudy's War Room for baseball. Because it shows you exactly where you're at uh, for each particular category. And then you can kind of project to see, you know, where you're at, you know, how it's going to look and things like that. And so, um, yeah, you know, like. So thinking steps ahead and be like, well, yeah, if I'm going to take a guy that has a poor free throw shooting, then I need to build up my free throw shooting, you know, to prepare for that, um, you know, that, that, that particular kind of like uh, pick, you know, later in the future. And then, you know, I think the, like the best analogy for me was kind of like, um, you know, if, uh, you know, if, you know, like in a war, in a battle, if you're going to attack, you know, before you actually do the attack, you send out your spies, you get all the information that you need. And then, right, then, you know, it's all symbiotic relationship between like Navy, Air Force and Ground Force. Like you don't just send in your, your ground soldiers right away, right? You bring your airplanes in to bomb them, to kind of soften up the defenses, you know, put in, bring in your minesweepers to make sure there's no mines. So you lay out all the groundwork, right, for, you know, everything so that it makes it easier 
for when your troops you know walk in and then right so uh you know you have to plan and prepare and just you know make sure like everything is good so that when they do walk in like it's all good so um uh, i kind of like that analogy i'm proud of myself <laughs> <laughs> you can tell, tell everyone sort of taking root with you oh, this is working i like it yeah, yeah. um i think what you said about um I was thinking about free throws too, of like uh, the Zubach, like, uh, you know, I, I was really, uh, I was really enthusiastic about Rashawn Holmes a couple of years ago because he was that, right, you right. know, he was like a blocks, rebounds, high, high field goal. I'm like, okay, free throws. Yeah. And I think that I, I think that sometimes I can get scared off by like a really horrific number like a, a on the same way poor free throw percentage and the volume of it just like doesn't end up hurting you so exactly. much like robert williams shoots 66 percent from the free throw line but he only shoots 1.1 a game you know like and so you in my head i'd go like oh, i don't know about williams like you sure you get the blocks and the field goals and the boards but like man that free throw trade-off is nasty and it just really it just isn't it isn't that bad. And right. so if you can, you know, if you can take guards early, if you can take Trey and Dame at the turn and go like, well, so the free throw percentage is solid. You know, I can, I can eat someone like Rudy Gobert or Nick Claxton. Like, that's cool. That's one way to do it. But also if you just take like, you know, regular free throw contributors, regular positive free throw contributors, as long as you're not drafting like, Adams, Giannis, Claxton, uh, like those are the ones that end up really hurting you because the volume is higher, you know? But if you can stay out of the, like, if you can have a guy who's shooting fewer than two free throws, who's a bad free throw shooter, the the impact really isn't so bad, you know? Uh, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I, you know, a guy like, well, I guess... You know, Clint, Clint Capello would be another another candidate for that. Of like, oh man, he shoots sixty one percent. Yeah, well, less than two, you can probably eat that. You know, uh, or Mobley too. Yeah, I I uh, I'm ready to do this again. I'm ready. To... <laughs> <laughs> I want a jet, right? I want a jet. You want a jet? I want a jet. I just I want a jet so bad. It's uh, I'm you know I'm already pumped for stuff. Um, you know it's uh. I mean, it, it's really cool, right? Because we get to talk out things. Um, and I think it's very helpful for both of us, right? Because there's sometimes, like, I hear stuff from you. You hear stuff from me. By me just talking about shit, then certain things just come out. And then we start thinking about it. And then, you know, I think it it's definitely been beneficial for me, for sure, uh, in terms of process and, and things like that. You are up. Oh, the, my baseball draft. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know... Um, I'm definitely pumped to start drafting already, but, you know, we still got a long way to go before the end of the season. And, you know, hopefully the more that we just keep talking about stuff, like, you know, we'll start identifying more things and more things will come out. So by the time that we're ready to kind of, you know, sit down and put in the work to, uh, to iron out our process, uh, you know, hopefully like our, our blades will be sharp, you know, by that time, um, Man, I hope so. If we do all this talking and all this work, <laughs> you know, subject all of these people to your NSA analogies <laughs> and ideas on warfare, like we should fucking win something sometime, maybe. You know, I, I, I do believe, you know, obviously there's so many things out of our control, right? There's a lot of luck and things like that. But, um, 
you know, whether you win or lose, um, I don't think that's a good barometer, but I think just being competitive and uh, just, I'm definitely a big believer in if you keep grinding and you keep, uh, you know, refining your process, I just think as a natural byproduct of that, like certain things will happen, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a victory or whatnot, but I think, you know, at worst, like you'll be competitive, right? Like I, I truly believe that, right? So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this just from, from, uh, from say a year ago, right? I mean, I, I feel like my game has gotten so much better. Um, and you know, I know that I'm not even at that, that level where I want it to be or where, you know, the top players are at. And so in a way that's kind of disappointing, but at, at the same time, it's very encouraging too, right? Because that means there's more, more to learn, more to grow. Uh, and, um, you know, in, you know, in a way it's good that we have different perspectives on things too, right? Um, and especially I think uh, your, your path of lineup construction is probably going a little bit different than mine. Right. So I think it's great. Right. Because we get that fresh perspective. Right. And then we get to see how, you know, things mapped out. And then I'm, I have no doubt that I'm going to take stuff, stuff from you. Right. And you're going to take stuff from me. Right. And then, you know, actually maybe, maybe at the end of the road, it'll come back and we'll meet in the, you know, <laughs> we'll meet at the same point later. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to the journey, man. And it's, uh, it, it's cool, man. It's very, very cool. For sure, man. Um, speaking of like forwards, progress, learning, um, free throws. Yeah. So are you aware that Jeremy Sohan is shooting his free throws one-handed and that it's like changed his entire game? It's crazy. It's so great. <laughs> I mean, A, because like I have Sohan yeah. uh, in a dynasty awesome. league. And B, because like I, I love um, – I love the willingness to like experiment and to try something new and to not uh, be afraid to look foolish while doing it. Um, the anti-shack. Yeah. Cause you know, the anti-shack, the anti-shack. Anti yeah. I mean, like at this point he's shooting like over 75% from the line now after like starting below 500 uh, or below 50% rather. And I think like, great, keep doing what you're doing. Um, but now I kind of want to like get someone in his ear about shooting underhanded and just like, Show him Rick Barry footage. It's like it can one hand is great. Like, underhand will unlock everything. <laughs> it could. Uh, yeah, no, it definitely could. It could but, for sure. But I mean, he's doing pretty. He's doing pretty well as it is right now. You know. That's true. That's true. But yeah, we should all be more like Jeremy Sohan and like be willing to uh, to look at things in an unconventional way or or sort of drop the the fear of being judged for doing something that looks odd or silly. Um, especially if it's going to be productive. So uh, shout out to Jeremy so Sohan and his, his one-handed free throws. I'm, I'm ecstatic for him. <laughs> no doubt. But, you know, even without that, he's been freaking balling, man. So in, in terms of, um, I guess, kind of like uh, what you see him when he kind of reaches, you know, a certain level, like what kind of player do you think that he, you know, will be or will turn into? You know... 
it's it's not by accident that he ended up on that um that 30 team league or 30 yeah yes you know what i'm talking about um because i just i have like a i have a real preference for uh forwards that can play make ball handling forwards um i think you're one of the things that's really exciting about what's going on with with jeremy is that his uh his that was a, definitely a part of his game in college have really started to show up lately uh, i'm trying to pull up his his recent numbers but i could see him sort of in the like the barnsey um big offensive hub kind of player like over the last over the last two weeks he's just outside the top 100 averaging three and a half assists a game um the rebounds are are pretty solid too uh five and a half there um with a usage like that's right around average like just under um just under 25 24.1 percent so i Obviously, the shooting that that's kind of the the drawback, or that's the the cost you have to pay when you're you're trying to acquire guys like um, like Barnes and so on. Is like they don't know how to shoot yet, and so like it's a it's a longer term game that you're playing. But I I do think that like this kind of um, big passing forward that can do some playmaking and. Uh, you know, one of the things that's that's been kind of disappointing about Sohan so far is that the defensive stats just haven't really appeared yet. Um, he came into the league as a reputation as a defender. I think I'll pull up his um, his dunks and threes as well um, to see like how he's grading out with the advanced stats. But for the most part, that hasn't really showed up yet. Shown up yet? Um, yeah, he's a negative 1.1 defensively, which means he's slightly better on defense than he is on offense right now, but the whole picture is not very, is not very rosy, but um, that's kind of the hope is that like, it's, it's kind of a little bit of everything. It's, it's, you know, 17 ish points, six to eight rebounds, four to six assists and like a couple of steals, uh, maybe a block or two. Um, and then as, as the, the offensive game grows, as the shooting grows, the rest of that sort of fills out as far as as field goal, free throw, threes. But I really like that. I like that that template of a little bit of everything, especially in roto leagues. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just think it's super valuable. No, definitely. Yeah, everyone, anyone, any player that can provide a little something, something in every cat. Uh, I love it. You know, I love those guys. Um, I think there's a role and a place for all of them. I don't think you have you can have a, a full team of all those guys. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you definitely need your your ballers and superstars, but we all have our role to play, right? So, um, yeah, I like it. So, so what do you want for for him? I'll trade him. I'll trade for him. What do you want? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is Franz available? <laughs> Seriously, no. He's uh, he's super young. Yeah, potential is very is sky high. So yeah, definitely the future uh, is bright for him. So yeah, I mean, nineteen, yeah. dude, like nineteen. <laughs> Um, I guess like part of the thinking behind him and having him and Barnes together is just, like someone at some point will teach these young men how to shoot. <laughs> it's it's something that you can be taught. We've seen it uh, time over time in this league of like 
you can add things to your offensive game as far as being a shooter. Um, well, look at what uh, just, you know, Chip Chick Engelman. I forgot how to pronounce the name, but you know, the former Spurs coach. Um, I mean, look what he's done to all those guys. His most recent guys, Josh Giddy. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like that was a big knock on Giddy, and now Giddy's you know balling out. He's shooting the J with with confidence. Uh, so yeah, no, I think uh, you know it's a. I mean, most teams, right, they want to, they draft for upside and potential, and then they draft for things that are not teachable, which is like, you know, quick ticks muscles or length or wingspan or height, right? Like, those are things that you just are unteachable, right? You either have them or you don't. But then the skills, you know, <laughs> or, you know, even, you know, IQ, offensive IQ, defensive IQ, uh, just passing ability, uh, but yeah, you know, things like shooting and, and things like that, I, that's, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's the one skill where, yeah, you just put in the reps, right? And, and, you know, you, you get it. And that's always what pissed me off about Shaq, you know, like, <laughs> right? Like, you know, put in the reps, you know, and, and, you know, that's why in the whole Shaq and, you know, Kobe debate, like I always sided with, with Kobe, right? Because, uh, you know, I mean, Shaq was a fan favorite and he was the most dominant player that I've ever seen in my life. Right. But, um, you know, you know, one of the main reasons for Kobe was like, yo, you know, dude, you're not working hard enough. Right. Like I'm fucking working my ass off to try to get a chip and, you know, we're teammates. We should be in this together. But, you know, there's certain things where like, I just think like, and not to, not to say that Shaq didn't work hard because I'm sure he did. Right. You know, whatever, getting himself into shape and, you know, just taking all that, booting and all that stuff but there's definitely i think a level more that he could have gone right like if he went to like that kobe level or went on that same path i mean how like he may have been the greatest player ever like ever right so you know that's the i was always kind of like you know ah, you know i was a little disappointed shack you know back to you know the free throw shooting and things like that you know he's just like oh fuck it i don't want i don't want to look like a chump basically that's what he's saying right so and yeah. it's like hey man you know like you know you, you want to win or you want to look cool like you know what's like what's your deal like where you know what's your perspective where are you coming from right so but um all right well that's again like that's what's so exciting about like so i'm like i'm like i'll, I'll shoot one-handed yeah. I'm, that's awesome i'm 19 and i've I've lived in England and Poland yeah. and Oklahoma, like whatever, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> my hair is this crazy color. Like, uh, yeah, I'm doing it my way. Well, well you know, what's crazy uh, is I, I think it's really important. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, and like, you know, obviously the Dennis Rodman comparisons, uh, not just playing wise, but you know, personality and style, I guess, were uh, mm-hmm. thrown around there. Uh, and you know, I think coming out of college, we kind of knew that he was uh, a more well-rounded player than a Rodman, right? Rodman was a strictly a specialist, but man, I didn't like, I didn't think he was this well-rounded, like, you know, on this particular level, like, like this is like, in a way, kind of like Franz Wagner level, you know, where, you know, he can, you know, he's shown it. He can run an offense. Like he can initiate offense himself, right? Excellent passer dribble, right? You know, so um, that's been, that's been very surprising to me, you know, maybe I, you know, maybe I undersold him a little bit, you know? Well, he's, he's in the, the 56th percentile. He's above average in assist percentage as a 19 year old rookie. Like I, 
I think there's a lot to be encouraged about. And like, you know, I, I would be lying if I said like, Oh, I saw all this coming. This is, this is exactly who I knew I was getting when I drafted him. But like that, that was kind of the idea was like, you're getting this guy with a pretty high sort of basketball IQ, a guy who's played in a lot of different circumstances, played for like the Polish national team. Um, he's, he's got sort of a different perspective and, uh, you know, he's been a he's been a really fun player to to sort of keep an eye on, and he's now like emerging as like a twelve team guy kind of, um, with with how much scoring has come lately. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that we ended the uh, the forward discussion on the dis- on the you know the the cutting edge of the position, <laughs> which is Jeremy Sohan. You know, uh, certainly maybe one of the younger contributors, but yeah, uh, no, for sure. No, this this was a fun time, man. I, I like this. Uh this topic, this conversation. Um, yeah, really good. Thanks again for joining me as always, Joel. Um, stay warm. Do what I can. <laughs> I can do yeah, I'm staying in here. I'll just keep on looking at, at the Dunks and Threes page for so long. Like, really get in there instead of going out and shoveling like I did last weekend. No doubt. Um, All right, man. Have... But yeah, man, I was going to see you. Take care. Be well. You too, man. See you next week, man. Later. <laughs>